Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May podcast. And as usual, and I think by popular demand, I'm joining the cockpit of this high-flying machine by my capable uh, co-pilot. You know him as Austin. I know him as Austin Ward. Awesome Ward. I got your nickname wrong there, Awesome. But still, I got to it. Awesome Ward, welcome once again to the Tim May Podcast. Thanks. It's, it's refreshing to know that somebody out there wants me on this podcast and not just you. Yeah. Yeah, it is refreshing to know. I'm not sure what it does for me, but that, that what it does for my alter ego. But that's another story. Uh, bottom line is awesome. Just when you kind of like uh, take a breath and sort of kick back in the chase lounge and try to start maybe enjoying a little bit of summer and stuff, stuff just keeps popping, doesn't it, anymore in the uh, college football world, but the college ath- athletic world in particular. Uh, very interesting goings on, right? This has been as crazy of a summer for college football, college athletics as I can ever recall. Uh, And, you know, part of that is things returning to normal uh, and then, you know, cramming 15 months of recruiting and in workouts and all this other stuff that teams are allowed to do into one month. There's so like, I mean, the Woody is open from like five in the morning until 11 at night right now. It's just absolutely crazy with current team, future team camps, just so much going on. And then you go uh, across the street to the Fawcett Center and the NCAA is making uh, you know, rulings on uh, the Supreme Court is making rulings. The NCAA is trying to figure out name, image and likeness. All this stuff is happening at once to get ready for July 1. I mean, it, it's this is a, a really almost transformational summer for college athletics and, and college football programs as well. But every summer is going to have some of that. This is just almost all encompassing and Every day brings something a little bit different and, and wilder and sometimes weirder. Uh, pardon my French, but normal normal ain't ever coming back. I mean, whatever you thought was normal two years ago, times they are changing. And major college sports are right at the forefront of that in terms of the pandemic is almost like a bookmark, you know, that you, uh, that's going to be striped down the middle of this big book that is major college athletics, and it's going to be there forever. Yep. And uh, you're moving on from all kinds of uh, situations uh, into a new, uh, for one of another term, a new normal. I'm not sure anything's going to be normal for a while now, especially with name, image, and likeness right around the corner in the state of Ohio. As you uh, documented last week, you know, it passed the uh, Ohio Senate uh, a bill which would give uh, co- college athletes, student athletes in, in Ohio colleges, the right to uh, uh, benefit from their name, image, and likeness from a financial standpoint. And especially that will especially hold true for Ohio State football athletes and basketball athletes, and maybe athletes throughout the uh, throughout the realm there at Ohio State. But then, you know, you get this uh, Supreme Court of the United States ruling as we speak, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon, came out this uh, late uh, this Monday morning that uh, gives athletes 
uh, the right, right may not be the right term, uh, but <laughs> it allows them to have the cost of going to school and things associated with that. They already had cost of an education, but allows them to like benefit from, from anything as basic as like uh, the school being able to buy them a, a personal computer yeah. to getting paid the going rate, if not more for internships and things like that, that anything that's centered on their educational experience in schools, it stopped short because that wasn't what the bill, the, uh, excuse me, the case was all about. It stopped short of giving uh, schools a right or giving athletes the right to collect pay for play. Uh, that's coming down the road, uh, maybe sooner rather than later. I think the NCAA was basically hoping that name, image, and likeness would sort of put that on the back burner. But uh, as I described it, this was a pebble thrown into the pond that is the NCAA. It's making small ripples, but there are rocks coming, agreed, that are going to make waves. Yeah, I mean, this is the one. <laughs> the NCAA's whole legal strategy and the public perception against it, I, I can't understand it and why they thought that they would be able to rely on the federal government or the Supreme Court to protect them from ideas that are so ridiculously outdated to allow them to keep making billions of dollars without uh, slicing any part of that pie for the student athletes. This, as you said, if this is the, this is, I think, a little bit more than a pebble, uh, at least in terms of creating some of these future waves. Um, but I, what you're saying is correct, that this isn't the bill or this wasn't the Supreme Court case, I, that's that's probably a better way to say it, that, yeah. that will fundamentally change it. This is the one that basically just cleared the deck to allow for a bunch more cases and lawsuits. They, they can say, all right, well, here they already agreed to this. It's nine to nothing. Think how rare it is for uh, unanimous agreement on the Supreme yeah. Court for cases like this. Um, and the NCAA that thought that they could run into it and get a, a win for themselves is just uh, absurd. Um yeah, I think the legal term you're looking for there is this is the precedent that all of these other all of these other cases are going to be argued for that they're going to be built on. This is the foundation in a lot of respects is what you're getting to. And and again, it wasn't because of this specific Alston case, because um, this, as you said, it, it really was about a laptop. Uh, but the fact that that. Uh, Justice Kavanaugh's response and agreement or whatever, uh, his, his piece that accompanied the ruling explicitly lays out that the, the money needs to be going in addition to laptops and books and, and all those other sorts of things when, when you're talking about how much money is involved. And there are lots of problems involved in that for the NCAA. Yeah. I think <laughs> um, trying to fund, for instance, while we're sitting here and saying this is this is what needs to happen, it's good for the student athletes. It's it's what's right for the student athletes. Yeah, uh, those waves that you're talking about, you know, I don't know how it becomes financially prudent to have 36, 37 sports if you're Ohio State anymore. I don't know how you're going to fund it if you have to pay every athlete. Let's just say minimum wage um, for what twenty hours a week, uh, twenty to thirty hours a week. You're just not going to be able to do that for tennis teams and, and gymnastics and any other sport that you want, because football and basketball are still going to be the primary drivers for any athletic department. And if it costs more to run those, 
something else has got to give. So um, when you're talking about those ripples that are coming, it, it could, those could be waves that wipe out sports. Yeah. Um, and, and I know that there are a lot of people also that cheerlead against the NCAA. And I got several texts about that on Monday. I, it's important to remember that the NCAA is not some just independent organization who happened to have oversight over the schools. This is the schools trying to protect their own interests. Like, Correct. They didn't want to call it the NCAA. They call it whatever they wanted. They, could, they put whoever they want in power. The, the commissioners are driving a lot of these decisions anyway. Like the, Somebody has to run collegiate athletics. Correct. And so if you disband the NCAA, well, then the schools just have to create something new to replace it. Hey, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Because that's what I want to get into you, in with you uh, on our second second half of my, of my program here. Uh, by the way, I wanted to also – uh, point out that uh, over the weekend I won a major award. I was uh, I was n- named the world's best grandpa. They gave that out this weekend. Yeah, yeah. And people are listening to this on on one of the audio sites. I'm holding up a little trophy card that I got for my grandson Owen. He's going on two and a half years old, and uh, world's best grandpa. He said best, not greatest, but you know, best greatest. What's the difference, right? Uh, yeah, tomato, tomato. But uh, yeah, I humbly accepted that as I gave him a big hug. But I, but I do want to get into a little bit deeper conversation with you about the ramifications of people thinking they're getting exactly what they want and what it can mean 10 years from now to the model we know is major college athletics. But before that, I, w- I didn't want to pe- keep people hanging either. You know, Spencer Holbrook is one of our able-bodied fellows, along with Bur- Jeremy Birmingham who cover recruiting is probably better than anyone else. It covers Ohio State recruiting in terms of insight, in terms of knowing where people are coming and going, et cetera. And uh, I wanted to get his take on the JT Tuimoluau visit over the weekend, the last plum hanging on the tree from the 2021 recruiting class. I I don't know why I like that analogy, but it sounds about right. The last five-star plum hanging there. And this guy in a month or so or less could be at the uh, school of his choice, getting ready to, make, to be an instant impact player. And whether that school is Ohio State, uh, what, USC, Oregon, or Alabama remains to be seen. He just he left his uh, official visit to Ohio State, which we understand went extremely well, um, went to an official visit, I think, at Oregon. And then uh, he's going to wrap it up, I think, this coming weekend with an official visit to Alabama and then pretty much make his decision uh, after that, sometime after that. But uh, I wanted to get uh, uh, Spencer Holbrook's take on how things went with that Ohio State visit, that from the greeting at the airport to the send-off, you know. And, uh, and we'll come back. We'll chop that up a little bit, uh, awesome. And then we'll chop up even more where major college athletics are headed. Once again, I welcome into my podcast, uh, the inimitable Spencer Holbrook. Spencer, thanks for joining me again, my man. Tim, it's always a pleasure. It's an honor to be on the Tim May podcast. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. You need, to, you need to brighten your horizons, but I digress. Uh, bottom line is I'd like to have you and Jeremy Birmingham on from time to time because I consider you both experts in the realm of recruiting. And let's face it, it's the grease that makes the wheels go round and round, and recruiting is that grease. And, you know, mainly I wanted to catch up with this week. You know, I think uh, Ohio State, 
uh, fans or at least recruitniks among the fans and uh, and Alabama fans and all these others, uh, Oregon fans are all on pins and needles waiting to know when that final shoe is going to drop with the last plum on the tree. Uh, JT Tuimolowau, uh, the extremely talented five-star defensive end from the state of Washington. And, you know, obviously he had his official visit to Ohio State over the weekend. You know, what can you kind of – uh, I don't know, uh, update us with on the situation with him and where you think it's going to finally come to fruition. Well, it's really interesting, Tim, because that the the beginning of that official visit was all about flash. You know, they had the lays at the airport. They had the Polynesian-inspired uh, shirts, and they all, all the coaches went and picked them up from the airport. And then after that, Ohio State stopped the flash because Ohio State doesn't really recruit with any flash, and it went straight to business. Well, you know, Ohio State had a pitch to GAT to Maloal, you can come here, be developed, and and really be, you know, the next great Ohio State defensive lineman developed by Larry Johnson. And it was no – it was all substance. There was no no real, you know, uh, pomp and circumstance to the recruitment. It was just this is what Ohio State can give you. And Ohio State really likes the hand that it now plays. You know, it, it's given its presentation. JT is is now going to go to Oregon, and then he's going to head to Alabama for these final two visits, go home and see weigh his options. And Ohio State likes where it's at right now. Where do you think Ohio State is right now in this situation? Obviously, you know, they had uh, Berm on a few weeks ago. And in the beginning of this, you kind of got the sense that uh, Ohio State was the favorite for this young man. Uh, what's your sense of it? As uh, you and Berm, I know you put your heads together on this all the time, but what's your sense of where this thing goes? Well, you know, with, with Nick Saban getting the final word in from any of these coaches, it's, it's, it makes it a little interesting. But – JT Tuimaloa had never visited Ohio State, and he had Ohio State as his, one of his top options because of Larry Johnson. Now that he's met Larry Johnson and has seen the blueprint and seen exactly what's going to happen to him over the next three or four years, I can't imagine Ohio State slipped in that. So I still believe he's going to end up choosing Ohio State. But then again, like I said, Nick Saban is different, and he's the greatest coach of all time in this sport. Therefore, you can never count him out. And so – it's going to be very interesting over the next couple of weeks, but I would still peg Ohio State as the favorite here. And I think the, the, the presentation Ohio State was able to give him with Larry Johnson and showing him exactly what they can do has, has helped them tremendously. Yeah, like how you said, you know, they had the flash and circumstance there. I think almost every, every coach on the staff uh, or most of them were at the, uh, Port Columbus when he arrived. They were all wearing these uh, uh, polos that were in that Polynesian kind of motif. Uh, we all know of, of um, Tui Molowai was, was uh, basically rated the, the number one, uh, what, Polynesian football prospect in the country or whatever it was uh, several weeks ago by someone who does those kind of ratings. But, you know, to say this is just an ordinary recruiting is a recruitment is uh, beyond the pale, correct? Yeah, I mean, this is a guy who is going to step on campus in August, probably maybe late July, but he's going to have an impact the second he gets on campus. And, and, you know, if he is to choose Ohio state, you'll see him in the game against Minnesota. You'll see him in the game against Oregon. I would be stunned if he comes to Ohio state and isn't in some way in the mix starting right away. And I, I not maybe starting right away, but, but in the mix immediately for playing time, because he's that special of a talent. And it's really hard to get on the field early in, in your career under Larry Johnson, but this guy is built different. And I think no matter where he goes, he's going to have an impact during his freshman season. And like I had just said earlier, I think that's going to be Ohio State ultimately, but but now we kind of just have to wait and see. 
All right, two other quick things. Any, any other developments over the weekend? It was a pretty interesting recruiting weekend for Ohio State that uh, you wanted to point out that uh, people should be aware of. Well, I think Ohio State, you know, they had a really nice weekend, uh, according to what what Burns been able to to put together from from his sources. But you know, the running back Dallin Hayden from Tennessee, uh, yep. kid out of Memphis, he, Ohio State really wowed him. I believe. I think they're probably in the driver's seat for him, but. You never know because this re- this recruiting time is really wild. You had Kojo Antwi on campus, the wide receiver that Brian Hartline really likes, and and you wonder how that recruitment's going to go because it's down to Ohio State and then a few schools down south that that you know can put together some some good presentations for those guys as well. So I think Ohio State had a pretty good weekend, um, but these recruitments are starting to wrap up a little bit because visits are are ending, and a lot of these guys took a lot of their official visits in June rather than waiting until fall. So there's a lot coming on the horizon, I would imagine. Um, but as of right now, it's kind of just uh, hurry up and wait in the recruiting world. Last thing, uh, you know, I've had uh, obviously have uh, awesome word on here all the time and stuff. And even with Berm, I asked this question. Can you imagine a freshman defensive end class that includes Jack Sawyer and JT Tuimoloau? <clears throat> I mean, that'd be one for the ages. Yeah. I mean, and then you throw in, you know, I, I don't, I make sure people don't forget you throw in a defensive tackle like Michael Hall and then a 330 pound defensive tackle like Tyleek Williams. And you're talking about restocking the cupboard that is the, the Larry Johnson defensive line room. And when you talk about restocking it, you're not stocking it with, you know, canned vegetables. You're stocking it with <laughs> the, the good stuff that, that you really want in your cupboards. Like this is, this is exactly what you wanted if you're Ohio State. And if they can land Tui out to pair with Jack Sawyer and then on the interior have Michael Hall and Tyleek Williams, that is a defensive line class that, that we could be talking about for a long time. And we'll, we'll definitely be talking about them in three or four years, sometime in the spring when the NFL draft happens. Yeah, you're talking about those large cans of pork and beans. That's what you're talking about, the ones that really uh, make the coverage stand out. You're exactly right. Hey, uh, Spencer, as always, thanks for joining the Tim A Podcast, my man. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. Always appreciate it. Hey, awesome. I asked uh, Spencer what his so – I didn't use these terms – what his gut feel is on JT Tuimoloa. And I think he feels like Ohio State still in there extremely strong. What is your take on it? Well, we've seen a lot of these Ohio State-Alabama recruiting battles uh, in the past, and we're going to see probably a lot more of them for years to come. Um, and I, I really mean it when I say that they're 50-50. I'm not – I'm not trying to dodge the question. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how Ohio State sales pitch wouldn't resonate with a defensive lineman. Yeah. I know that you've talked to a number of people about that uh, on this podcast in the past. And, uh, you know, Larry Johnson, that you just put him in the room with JT Tuimalau, and that I would think would, it, would tip the scales for most guys, especially when you look at not only the way he's developed defensive linemen for the NFL, but then the way they continue to succeed once they get there. Uh, you know, Alabama and Ohio State are the two proven commodities in this sport when it comes to that. I would think, you know, Alabama's had a little bit of an edge when it comes to linebackers. Um, I think for defensive linemen, Ohio State gets that that edge significantly. Um, and Larry Johnson is a big part of the reason why. So if I had to choose one to, that, that might have a slight edge, I would think that that would be the Buckeyes because they were able to get him into a visit if, if he had never been able to visit Columbus to go halfway across the world I think that would have been a, a tough sell now yeah. I mean Alabama is also a long way from home for him but I think there's probably there was probably a little bit more familiarity 
uh, on that side with what he'd be getting into. Uh, having now been to Columbus, seen what the travel situation would be like uh, for him, for his family, to sit down face-to-face -face with Larry Johnson, to walk through the facility, see the horseshoe, all that. You know, I think Ohio State has a real good shot here. I don't think USC, Oregon, Washington can really compete with what Ohio State and Alabama offer. And then I think Larry Johnson, he's it's hard for me not to view him as a trump card in any recruitment of a defensive lineman. Yeah, you know, and after he's on what campus for like one session, uh, he can help pay for his mom and dad to fly out and come see him <laughs> play football with the proceeds he's going to make from name, image, and likeness. You like that right. segue? Yeah. <laughs> but uh, that is true, man. It's going to have ramifications, right? Uh, but let's get back to real quick uh, what we were talking about earlier. You know, the interesting part about this, and I've talked about this on this podcast many times and on television and radio many times is, you know, they, everybody keeps thinking there's, there's this big push coming that the power five, the autonomy five, excuse me, the a five <laughs> are eventually going to form their own, uh, you know, their own uh, kingdom uh, above and beyond the NCAA. But like you touched on a while ago, and I've said this ever since this came, uh, th this kind of talk came to, came to pass, uh, you're still going to have to have an organization. You're still going to have to have rules of participation in those organizations. It's not going to be the Wild West. You're still going to have to have a commissioner running things. You're still going to have to vote on rules by the membership. You know, it can't just be, well, Vanderbilt, you go do your thing, and Ohio State and Alabama, y'all go do your thing, and boy, mm -hmm. on Saturdays, we'll just have a, you know, hoot nanny or something, and, right. and the rest of the time, I mean, that – that's what I think even some people among the power five don't don't totally understand that aspect of things. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I, I hear that all the time. Well, you know, we hate the NCAA and the NCAA did this, or, you know, the, when they look and hand out the punishments, it's so unfair and the NCAA hates Ohio state. Well, Ohio state is the NCAA. Correct. I mean, like all of these schools are into this one pool so that they can govern each other. This isn't some, outside I, I said this earlier on it's not an independent body um you know they don't make up the rules and then impose them on college athletics college athletics now you can you can complain about maybe sometimes the committees that they put together there's not enough representation for players whatever that's fine but that's all agreed upon by everyone who's participating in college athletics um you know i think we Lots of times we don't understand some of the decisions they make and we say the NCAA got this wrong. Well, I mean, we could easily just say college administrators got this wrong or college sports has it wrong and not just attach that NCAA moniker. In a lot, of ways, in a lot of ways, talking about them that way and talking about the NCAA has shielded conferences or specific schools or, you know, from the responsibility for things that they want, things that they need to survive when, as they fought. Uh, for uh, to con to continue this model for as long as it's existed to to protect their own existence, but you can just replace the name out. Stop thinking about it that way because whatever if the NCAA does die, people that don't like you know this big bad villain, well it's going to be called something else. What well, if if it's the Autonomy Five? Yeah, you know it's the Triple A, whatever. I don't know CAA. Who yeah. cares? Call it anything you want. It will be replaced by something then as you said they'll still have to have rules they'll still have to 
agree on all these other things. They'll still have to punish people who break their rules. Somebody has to do that. It yeah. has to exist. And yeah. college athletics is now just finally being pushed that the way they've always done it doesn't work. Well, here's the, you know, the big problem with the NCAA is I've looked at it all these decades uh, being around it is the, the big problem is uh, it, it's sort of, uh, it's sort of designed for the lowest common denominator. You know what I mean? Many of the rules are, which is why you've got the big, the power five, the autonomy five, it's backers screaming to have their own organization because to make Ohio state and Ohio university equal in the eyes of the public, they both play football bowl subdivision football. That's redundant, but that's the way it, that's how it's FBS. That's what it is. Uh, then they have to have rules like 85 scholarships. Uh, you can't pay players uh, right on down the line, but but that's the only way, for example, those two programs are equal, you know, in any sense. Uh, that's what you you understand the argument why maybe the power five, the autonomy five would want to be, be able to create their own rules because many of them understand that uh, that paying players in some form or fashion is the right thing to do. But I think, you know, there's also been a kick the can aspect of things that now yeah, we'll we'll act like we're really concerned about name, image, and likeness, but we'll keep kicking the can down the road until we actually are forced to do something. Well, the states are stepping up, you know, the, the big backers of these major college football programs, you know, for one of the, you know, state legislatures are stepping up because they don't want to be caught you know, just like we saw with with the state of Ohio, they don't want to be caught on July one or August one, not having a situation to where their major universities and their prime major universities, uh, their student athletes can't share in things like is going to happen in Florida or is going to happen in Georgia or is going to happen maybe in California. I mean, so that's why Ohio is stepping up and trying to get this emergency legislation because they're going to be left behind to a certain extent. You know, uh, it's just. It's just really, I think, was hard for some people to understand why it has come to this, why this glacier has come to this. But, you know, this glacier that is NCAA legislation is having its own global warming moment. Things are, things are heating up and defrosting really fast. Even Mark Emmert, the head of the NCAA, has basically shoved, told the membership, you got to get something done on name, image, and likeness. This is nuts. This has gone far enough. He didn't use those terms. I'm paraphrasing. I'm yeah. sure he's never even said that. But uh, <laughs> but that's what he's saying. You know, it's coming. You know, jump on board. And that's what we're looking at. I mean, he's talking about this this coming uh, you know meeting and stuff. I mean, jump on board because this thing is happening. You know, the glaciers melting. Agreed. Yeah, and they <laughs> they've had plenty of warning that this was happening and and refused to act and and as you said, kick the can, drag their feet however you want to look at it, because this way was so profitable for administrators, universities, coaches, you know, raising money, getting to keep all like, it was an extremely lucrative situation for a lot of people. We talked about this with, you know, the, the playoff system and, and the bowl people who got to get rich off of this for a really long time. I can understand why you wouldn't want to share that money with other people. They had something that was really great for them. But anyone with any common sense can look at it and say that this isn't right, that it's not fair um, to 
you know, compress, take away, well, just not even compress, outright take away your ability to profit off something that virtually every other student and every other major, uh, any other line of work could could capitalize on. It just didn't make any sense. And I even wait, even Olympic athletes, which is what the, the amateur the amateur model was kind of based on that long ago when the NCAA got started. But you're exactly right. Keep going. And latching on to that amateurism, I, I don't know, maybe it's just, you know, the, the time that I grew up or the time that I started covering this team. It's just such a, a laughable notion. Um, and I know that it was, you know, once really popular, but like even for you, as long as, you know, you're a little bit different generation starting to covering it, there was that shift already going on. You talked about Chris Spielman and uh, his name, image, and likeness stuff on this show last week or, or two weeks ago. And that shift was already happening then when you started covering Ohio State. This like ideal that true amateurism that built the NCAA was like an idea from the 1930s. And yep. I don't think anyone at that time, well, I mean, we can say this, I can say this with 100% certainty. They didn't know that they would have billion dollar television contracts in 1930. Correct. The coach, you know, the coaches of the programs were not getting, not getting rich. They didn't have multi-million dollar contracts and buyouts. None of that stuff existed. So there have been a lot of changes since 1930 that have threatened the NCAA and we're going to wipe them out. And they had to adjust. Uh, and they have every single time because deep down, people still really want to watch college sports. Everyone, like the fact that we're talking about it. That's not going to go away, I don't think, anytime soon. Certainly not for college football and college basketball uh, that drive all this. So they have, they've had to continually try and keep up. But they fell so far behind on this one. You know, it was just like 2002, and it was 20 years ago. They were like, hey, you know, this would be a great idea to let them start having name, image, and likeness. And, and, and at that time, there just wasn't a lot of support for it. I, and I don't – to me, I have a hard time understanding why because it seems like such a fundamental uh, – thing to get right uh to get to allow do you remember do you remember the tv show the beverly hillbillies did you ever watch yeah. the reruns yeah. of that right yep remember that they were living on a living on a farm and uh, jed was looking hunting for some food and up and he fires his shot and up through the ground comes a bubbling crude yeah well that is black gold texas tea mm-hmm. and the first thing you know jed's a millionaire see that's this wasn't that sudden but i've watched college athletics big time college football go from just almost quaint, still very little marginal money-making endeavors, except for the big time schools like Ohio State that could fill stadiums and charge $15 a pop, you know, and uh, bowl game money, bowl game revenue was treated as bonus money way back when in the eighties. And then, and then the money started building, building, building. It came from the TV contracts. Think, you know, Georgia and Oklahoma, I think, combined on a on a lawsuit that opened up the fact that their games could be on TV more than their teams could be on TV more than three times a year. You know, all these things opened just sl- slowly but surely opened and the floodgates came. And college football is a quite entertaining uh, uh, TV product. And yeah. that's where it's gotten to where today. But but what lagged behind, like you just said, was the model that, yeah, but the guys, the, the stars in this show, they're still going to be amateurs while everybody else makes money and uh, coaches' salaries, et cetera. You know, Earl Bruce, or what, he made $47,000 a year 
his first year as the head coach at Ohio State in 1979, I think it was like 47, because they didn't want to pay him more than Woody Hayes had been making, who they had just fired. You know, right. but right on down the line, it took it took six, seven years for Earl Bruce to get a three-year contract. And uh, the first extended contract in Ohio State Athletic Department history, I think, at least for a head coach. And, yes, everything is just mushroomed from that. But and I'm not saying the players have been totally left behind. They get cost of – they get cost of uh, going to school expenses now. Yep. And uh, there are a lot of other things that they get that they didn't get way back then too. But the fa fact is everybody else started sharing in the, in the pie as you're calling it ex big time, except for the players. Right. And, uh, and, you know, no one's going to show up at Ohio state and watch an inner squad and watch an intramural scrimmage. Well, maybe a few would, you know, I might even be one of those guys, you know, Absolutely. football, man, let's go. Yeah. But uh, that that's what's been left behind. But but uh, but then the flip side of that is though, you're only a college athlete. Well, some of them have been college athletes for six years, but most of the time it's no more than five. Yep. Usually three if you're damn good, four if you're just regular. So, how much money is that worth? Should that be worth? Has always been a, another debate. And uh, should you be able to, you know, make a fortune just being a college athlete for four years? before you move on in life. That's a big debate. I don't believe that's the, that should be the case yet. It's your bones out there. I've got a bad knee right now. It's your knee that's out there. That's hanging on, you know, that you're putting on the line, et cetera, for good old you. And people don't show up to watch empty stadiums. So <laughs> we've, we've known all this, the NCAA, meaning that the members could have been so far ahead of this thing, but they've been so far behind because uh, a lot of people started sharing in this, except for the actual student athletes. And now, you know, the Reaper, you know, he's come a reaping, right? And, and I think that they, you know, they've had their way for so long. And, you know, for whatever reason, it didn't ever make sense to me. But a lot of, for a long time, there was public support for what they were doing. Yes. The players, you know, were, hey, a scholarship is great. Don't you like leaving school with no debt? And, and then here's some cost of attendance on top of that. Like yeah. you're, you're well taken care of for a, for a long time that stayed on the side of the NCAA. Um, and so they didn't feel any impetus to change and it was working for everybody. And there was no real existential threat to the way that that natural order that they had created for themselves. But let me interrupt you though, as I told Chris Spillman one time, I said, when you've realized that you probably should have been sharing in the largesse, as I call it, and this is back in the mid eighties, by then you, you're already gone. In yeah. other words, as players, first you're just fired up to have signed with big time you. And then that second year, you're fired up that you're starting. And then third time, third year or so, you start start dawning on you. Hey, wait a minute, you know, we're working a lot of hours. Yeah, we got this 20-hour rule, but if you're gonna play, you know, you're gonna be in there studying film, you're gonna be working out, you're gonna be doing all this voluntary stuff. You know, I'm, I'm, for folks listening to this, I've got my fingers in quotes. You're going to be okay. doing all this voluntary stuff because you want to be part of a winning team. You want to please your coaches and your and your uh, your fellow players, et cetera. And it is more for most of these college athletes, it's more than a full time job. I mean, it's there's a lot of time in, in, invested in this. And really, the remuneration has stayed the same for the most part. Now, go ahead. Well, and I think the NCAA or the uh, college administrators could have solved, I think, this problem. Lots of people, and we're not, you and I are not here to say 
that there is a problem with college athletics or that they're not, you know, getting, you know, the other sports, the, the non-revenue ones, that they're not important. People yeah. don't get a lot. I, that's a different conversation. That's not the point that we're trying to make. I know exactly where you're going here, though, because I've advocated exactly what you're fixing to say, but go ahead. But, but I just, I'll leave that for a different time or for you, but, you know, it, people that wanted to play college sports or wanted to play college football that weren't going to go to the NFL still, still like the opportunity. Yeah. Still want it. And they're not, they're not in it to get, you know, rich. The guy who's playing at Ohio that you brought up or a lot of people that I knew at Wyoming, they weren't doing it because they thought they were going to get to the NFL or that they were hoping they could sign a, a, an endorsement deal with a, you know, car dealership. That wasn't, they want to play the game. They love the game. It's a, it's, a really cool opportunity. So even if they had just taken this step 20 years ago with name, image, and likeness, yeah, I don't know that any of these lawsuits would have existed because Agreed. we're, you know, as you said, and I don't know how many people are going to get, we've talked about this a bunch on the show, how many people are going to invest in a 17, 18 year old kid, turn them into a millionaire overnight. I don't think that it'll be that many. I don't think it'll be that many people that even get to six figures. It'll be a really rare type of athlete that could command that at the collegiate level uh, in my opinion and I don't think that it'll change recruiting we've talked we've covered all that ground here before yeah. and, and we can again later but you know if if they had simply taken a step on name image and likeness so that there was a possibility for the guys who love to play sports whether that's whether that's golf or whether that's football hey you might make some money you're allowed to we're not going to keep you from doing that no, no, I don't know that any of this other stuff would have happened. If this is going down this path, which when we're talking about that pebble in the pond, this is probably going to wind up where they you're going to have unions forming for, for student-athletes. Schools are going to have to pay them directly, and that will involve every single sport. It will have to be the same. Um, that will devastate athletic department budgets, even at the Ohio State level, yeah. certainly at the group of five level and below. I don't know how that 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 is sustainable for them, um, but I I just if they had acted on this one thing, I'm not sure that anyone would have thrown that pebble. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, a long 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 ago, all these euphemisms, but uh, it was came up with the revenue and non-revenue sports. You know, and uh, the feeling I, I had long ago was you had to figure out a way to divorce the revenue generating sports from the non-revenue because yeah. those are the those are the people who are really benefiting from their college experience in terms of getting paid for are the ones who play for teams and programs that aren't making money that, that in fact, football and to a certain extent, basketball, men's basketball in some schools are generating the, the gross amount or the gross, the major amount of the, <laughs> uh, of the revenue and others are benefiting from it in some form or fashion. Uh, but they couldn't even go there, you know, because uh, you, you know, in Title IX, for example, if you've got uh, 85 players on scholarship for football and 15 or 13 for basketball, men, you've got to have similar kind of scholarships set up for, for the women's, for the female sports. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, just round down the line, there are all these rules that have kind of gotten in the way one way or the other. And I'm not saying they're all bad at, by any stretch, but they've gotten in the way of divorcing all that from the real profit center, the profit generator, the rainmaker which is major college football from, from the, all the other sports, if, except for perhaps men's basketball. And in a few occasions, a few situations, 
women's basketball at some places. Uh, but there is such a big difference. For example, I said between Ohio State and Ohio University, there's such a big difference between Ohio State and Vanderbilt uh, or Ohio State and Washington State. I mean, yeah. just on stadium size, alumni, you know, this idea that you're going to ever equate all of these is crazy too. That's why you do have to have some form of rules. If yeah. you want to play in the National Football League, you know, for example, you know, those players up there, yeah, they're making a lot of money, but they're still adhering to rules of the National Football League. But the NCAA. <laughs> and you know what, Tim, get... it reminds me, when people are blaming the NCAA, it's the same as like booing Roger Goodell. Exactly. That's exactly it. And uh, But they couldn't get together to kind of get over that, to get past that. They didn't know how to handle this mushroom cloud that blew up on them, which is revenue. I mean, television revenue is, let's face it, that's what drives it. And yeah. so now they're here. We're here where we are now. I don't, I mean, you know, you and I could talk about this for four more hours. Um, and I'm sure people would would not enjoy it. But uh, <laughs> well, they'll have to come back next this week. So this is so huge, though, man. Uh, but like you and I have talked about before, the rich are going to get richer in this thing. When you when you basically talk about the uh, programs that are on top, they're going to get richer. The ones that draw the big crowds that draw the television bucks. You know, I've always said Ohio State in many respects over the last several decades should have gotten more of the television pie from the big 10 than some of the other schools. You know, yeah. we could name them. I'm not going to name them, but they're, they're but, the people, they're the school that people tune in most to watch. If you look at the ratings, et cetera. Right. But yeah. you can't go there because you're a member of this club. Right. I mean, but where does this stop now? Once when you've got it, when you're Gene Smith, you've got to generate money to pay for the computers and the, who knows? I mean, cost of cost of going to school might be the cost of socks and sneakers, you know, because you're walking across the oval all the time, right? Wearing them yeah. out. Why not? Exactly. Clothing. Uh, you got to look the part. Um, <laughs> you know, nothing but like a sharp dressed man. That's a ZZ Top song. I was going about to go into riff into, but uh, yeah, where does it stop? But you've got to, you know, like you pointed out, you either got to pay for it or you got to start cutting sports, and it's going to be an interesting time, right? Yeah, and I th and look, is this maybe goes without saying? I think that would be really sad if, you know, the non-revenue sports. You and I have got to know a ton of people yep. over the years. You know, some really cool events, some really cool people that work really hard at their sport. And again, they want somewhere to play when they get out of high school. They're not all trying to go pro. Uh, the, the guys I keep using, I don't know why tennis and golf are at the front of mind today, but you know, <laughs> they're not. They're not all going to go. You know win the u.s open um, Wait, I mean, you sound like you're doing an NCAA commercial there yeah they're not all gonna they're all gonna go pro in something other than sports but and and i think that they should have the, the chance to do that but uh and and a lot of them to be frank are not asking to be employees of the university to play golf at ohio state or to play volleyball at ohio state that's not that's never been their thing i it just to me it goes back to if they'd got to post on a Twitter account, which didn't even exist when this came up initially 20 years ago, but yeah. to work at camp and be paid for that or to just have an autograph session or whatever. I mean, they weren't asking for this uh, huge amount of huge sum of money to play collegiate athletics. They were just wanting to be treated like everybody else who they go to school with. Correct. And it's, it's, it's almost, it's almost hard to believe that we're sitting here having this conversation about something that really when you put it on a piece of paper 
it doesn't seem like it should be complicated at all. But the NCAA amateurism notion, their ideal of what it should be, just clouded judgment for a really long time. And you, know, you just you think back on it now, it's like, why? I don't because get it. The reason why is you made rules like that so that Alabama, for example, I'm using that as, a, as an example, or Ohio State or a Texas, couldn't put together packages for their players coming in where they could definitely benefit from name, image, and likeness for one of another term or anything else. You know, you had to have rules in place because nobody trusted. That's that's always been the greatest thing about major college athletics to me. The greatest uh, hypocrisy is none of them trust each other. That's why you have rules like that. They don't trust each other to do the right thing. They really don't. Why yeah. would you have rules like that if everybody was doing the right thing, right? <laughs> There's always going to be an SMU which wants to be on the same level as Texas. I'm talking about back in the day, yes. the, the death penalty. You know, Texas A&M has always felt, you know, they might not admit it. They've always felt second shrift to Texas, you know, and uh, they've sometimes gotten in trouble for that. But uh, that that's why there are all these rules, these, these great bastions of integrity and education don't trust each other, right? <laughs> but here's what I'll say about this and we'll go. And I've said this before on my podcast many times, I'm sure, because, you know, I am 67. Uh, if you took this football team at Ohio State this year, just took their names and you put them in, uh, you put them in green and uh, green and gray, not green and gray, green and uh, green and golden uh, jerseys and uniforms. And they played at the old Columbus Crew Stadium. Like I said, that the old Columbus Crew Stadium. Rest, uh, rest in peace. Yeah. Seriously, and you didn't tell anybody, but you told them that's the team. This this uh, semi-pro team, what kind of crowd would they draw? Would they fill up the crew stadium? If you didn't know that Ohio State had recruited these guys for three years, this guy's 5A, this guy's a five-star, this guy's a four-star, if they just played there, you know where I'm going with this, what kind of crowd would they draw? You've had ex-Ohio State players play on semi-pro teams in different places, you know, indoor arena teams and things like that. You follow my drift. Yeah, there was uh, no crowd. As as I've talked about with Bill Bender and uh, and Paul Feinbaum and others, you know, people really in college athletics root as much, if not more, for the laundry than they do for the players. And that's where the the the, the colleges have had a little bit of an argument of why they don't necessarily go f- full bore pro, right? Yeah, I mean that's they they've put a lot of value into playing in the horseshoe and wearing scarlet and gray and all that. And that's, that's great. I mean, the program continues every year, regardless of what players are wearing the uniforms Correct. across the country, you know, and they are footing the bill. I don't think anyone is saying you need to give 99% of the revenue back to the players. And like I said, with the other sports, I don't, nobody was really asking for that. You know, and that's why I, I think they bungled this so much. They, it was the NCA and the college administrators collectively that valued that above everything else, and that this is where the value is, and here's the opportunity that we're giving you in return, but never considering the fact that it, what they're getting back might actually be far more valuable than, uh, and the pie wasn't e- even, and it wasn't a, an exchange that was fair, and they just never were open to any other idea until now being forced to do so. And I just, like I said, there's no way for me to prove this. 
I, I just, we know a bunch of people that have been through this for a really long time. And I think what they wanted was to be part of the video game. They wanted to, they wanted to see their name in it. And if they got 50 bucks or a copy of the video game, they would have been cool with that. Oh, yeah. They didn't oh, want yeah. to be paid $2,000 to do it. Yeah. They would have taken it, but that wasn't ever what they were fighting for. Um, by and large. For yes. the most part. So I just think they, they completely overplayed their hand for so long. And eventually, you know, they got, they got called on it in the Supreme court. Like I said, nine to nothing. You know, I don't see that happen very often. Yeah. It's been pretty much like a boxing promoter, you know, be a good example who uh, is setting up these fights for this up, these very talented boxers and the boxers end up getting about 5% of what the purse was. Cause you know, because of all the fall roll he has to go through to set it up. But, you know, when the yeah. boxer gets really, uh, gets really good and successful, he's still only getting that 5%. And then he starts wondering, Hey, wait a minute, are they showing up to watch me or to watch him yeah. sell tickets? You know, it's kind of the same kind of deal. Why should that guy get richer and richer when I'm kind of getting still the same thing? And uh, yeah, it's, it's come to bear. It's, it's just going to be interesting to watch this play out because like I said, this is the summer. This is the year of upheaval. Up, upheaval. Yeah. You know, the pandemic that was a great, maybe a big exclamation point in the middle of this. But it is queer how fast things are changing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, that's enough because, uh, like I said, we could talk for another four or five hours, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> but uh, always enjoy having awesome Ward because he and I come from different uh, different uh, time frames in the rise of college, major college sports, especially major college football. And we have perspectives, uh, different perspectives. I can see where it came from almost nowhere to where it is now. He can see where it came from home, from Nouveau Riche to where it is now. You know, uh, the, I call it the River Oaks section of, uh, of, of Houston. <laughs> Growing up in Texas. Yeah. But you know what? Uh, awesome. Thanks for joining the Tim May Podcast again, man. Anytime. And I really appreciate our man, Spencer Holbrook, for stepping in too. Uh, you know, he's a, he's one of those up and comers in our profession, right? Absolutely. Nobody works gets, harder. Hope he gets to share in the name, image, and likeness of Letterman <laughs> Row down the road, but I digress. You know what? Until next time, this is Tim May for Awesome Ward. We'll see you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.